A couple of weeks ago, really about a week and a half ago, I was looking for a movie to watch. And I stumbled upon this movie called I Am Not Ashamed. Have any of you seen that movie? If you haven't, I encourage you to do so. You know, sometimes you can go and you can look for the movies that edify you. I refuse to give my time to something that's not going to build me up. It's not going to put something in me. So I was looking at some other Christian movies, and then I went down and saw some other Christian movies, and I dropped down to the next drop uh, thing, and there were some other ones, and I found this one. It just kind of stuck out for me. I thought, oh, I really want to watch that. But in the process of getting ready to watch it, I was interrupted. You know how that goes. And I wasn't able to watch it that night. So normally I just forget about something like that and go on. But not this time. I had an unusual, strong desire in my heart that rose up in me to watch this movie. And it was an extremely busy week for me. And I kept putting it off and putting it off. But that desire stayed with me. I began to know... Because I know how God works with me. You know, he works with each one of us in a unique way because we are all unique. And there is no formula. There is no pattern. But I know how he works with me. And when things like that begin to happen, I know that it's a God-given desire. And there's with purpose at the end of it. So I said, okay, I'm going to watch this movie tonight. So Friday night, I rented the movie And this movie is a true life story. And it's the true life story of Rachel Joy Scott, who on April 20th, 1999, that's 18 years ago. I couldn't believe that it was 18 years ago. At the age of 17, she became the first victim who was shot and killed during the Columbine High School Massacre. And Rachel, she was out eating lunch with a friend. She was on the lawn with, while two other students from the school approached her and her friend, shooting them. She was there because she opened her heart to God's compassion and God's kindness. This friend needed someone who had a heart with ears. He was going through a difficult time. His parents had separated And he was grieving. And he asked to speak with her at lunch. She was there because she cared. And she wanted to help. She was a beautiful young lady. Did we get the picture of her by any chance? Can we put her picture up for just a moment? So you can see how beautiful and sweet she was. She refused to compromise her true self. She refused to be fake, she would say. You know, she was a very artistic young lady. She loved drama. She was inspired specifically by hands, by hands and roses. And she often drew them. She had a journal that she kept, and she would draw at different points, hands and roses. She said that she was drawn to hands because hands are the way that we touch people. I love that. And it's true. At the beginning of the movie, it shows Rachel struggling as a Christian. She's struggling to be accepted. 
She's struggling because she wants to fit in. She doesn't want to just blend. She wants to fit in. She wants to be accepted. Her parents had just separated and times were very difficult. Her mother would call her and her siblings together every morning and they would hold hands and they would pray for what they needed for that day. The mom would pray for gas to get to work. The kids would pray for clothing or food or money to pay insurance to drive the car. And so they believed God together. And again, I can't go into all the story, but I do want to tell a little bit more about it. So I'm going to skip to a day when Rachel was working at a coffee shop. And she saw a woman in there who showed an act of kindness. Now, she was a Christian. But again, she was struggling with her walk. Because she hadn't done what we just sang about. She hadn't surrendered all. And you know, really, there's nothing more miserable than a Christian who doesn't surrender all. But she was 17. And she was trying to find her way. And so this woman who was in the coffee store, what had happened is a lady who was homeless came into the coffee store and sat down. And it was obvious that she was homeless. Her clothes were um, worn and tattered and her gloves and she was dirty. And Rachel's boss said, you know, she doesn't buy anything. You need to go over there and you need to tell her she has to leave. So Rachel goes, you want me to do it? Yeah, you do it. I'm busy. So Rachel got up and went over there and she said, excuse me, ma'am, I'm sorry, but I, I have to ask you to leave. Well, there was this lady sitting at a table. Now, I want you to pay close attention to this because you could be that lady sitting at the table. And she overheard. And she got up from the table and she went over and she said, I'd like to get her some coffee. Would you like some coffee? She said, yes. She goes, make it a French press. And she goes, how about a bagel? And the lady said, with cream cheese. She said, yes. And so she gave her the money, and there she was, a paying customer. And then Rachel watched her. And as she watched her, the lady began to ask the lady, you know, what is your name? What can I do for you? Can I give you a ride somewhere? What do you need? And God drew her attention to this act of kindness. And this is all written in her journals, and that's why so much of the movie is, a, is extracted from her journals. But when, she, when they both left, she went over to the table, and there was a pair of her, the old lady's gloves sitting there on the table, and they were so worn and full of holes and torn. And she picked up the gloves. And when she picked up the gloves... The Holy Spirit fell on her. And it was God's conviction. And she knew that she had missed an opportunity. And she said, from this day on, I'll never miss another opportunity, Lord. 
I know what that's like. I told a story a while ago where we had had a, a funeral in here. And I was one of the last ones out. And there was tissues all over the floor. And I went to gather up the tissues. And I thought, I'll get the trash and throw it away so that that's done. And as I went to pick up the trash, the Holy Spirit quickened me and said, this isn't trash. That's the tears of the saints. And wow, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and convicted me of the depth of of what I was doing. And so, Rachel decided she wasn't going to let another opportunity pass her by. She opened her heart that day, and she reached out. She didn't just reach out to people. She actually targeted people. She was proactive about looking through God's eyes. And she would see different ones sitting there that needed help, needed acceptance, needed friendship. And she would go. She would always say this, don't wait to reach out, seize the opportunity, reach out. Some of the people she reached out to wrote, she wrote about in her journal. I just want to tell you about a few. There was a young man who came to their youth group and that nobody had seen them, him before. So after the service, she watched him and he went over and he, he took some of the pizza and he, he put it in a towel and put it in his backpack and was ready to get out of there. And she turned around and she said, hi, I'm Rachel. And it startled him. Well, he's afraid he was still in the pizza and he was ready to go. So he went out the back door, but you know what? She didn't stop at that. She went after him. And she followed him to a back alley that was not a very good place. And when she found him, she, hi, I'm Rachel. What are you doing here? Well, she encouraged him to come back and come back in, come back to the meeting. And as a result of that, his life was turned around. He was a young man whose father was in jail. His mother was a heroin addict. He had no place to live. He was sleeping on a um, crate, had no food to eat. And somebody noticed him. And somebody not only noticed him, somebody took a step of faith And an act of kindness to go after him. So when she invited him back, she said, I'll tell you what, let's come, come tomorrow. She came with food. She brought him food. She encouraged him to come in. And again, his life was literally changed around. There was others in the meeting that took him into their home. Another young man. It's a beautiful story. But his life was changed. And through the movie, he's a part of that one of the characters in there that was became very close to her. She was like a little sister and he was like a big brother. Then there was a, a young man who had special needs at the school. And he was harassed. And he was not accepted. 
He was more than rejected. But not by Rachel. Her heart of compassion and kindness just flowed out of her. And one day she went up to him and she says, Hey, you want to go uh, to the movies this weekend? He goes, like, on a date? (laughs) She said, sure, why not? He was so excited that somebody noticed him, but not only noticed him, took a step of, of, of kindness, an act of kindness towards him. There was a girl that everybody teased. She didn't have the right clothes. They made fun of her. She sat by herself at lunch. But Rachel noticed her. Rachel went and sat with her. Rachel befriended her. There were young men who were in the movie who were severely um, victims of being bullied. I mean, they did terrible things to these young men. She befriended them. She showed them kindness and compassion. They were actually the two young men that ended up killing her. Rachel had a belief she called a theory. She would say this. She said, I have a theory that if one person can go out of their way to show compassion, then it will start a chain reaction of the same. People will never know how far a little kindness can go. Don't you think we need kindness in this world today? What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing there's much too little of. Amen? Even today, 18 years later, Rachel has a challenge. There's a a huge organization that goes all over in schools and companies all over called Rachel's Challenge. And they make awareness of this whole issue of bullying and the whole issue of of reaching out with God's love and compassion. It's, It's an amazing organization. You can Google it and check it out. A couple of things that she says there that are part of her challenges. Number one, look for the best in others. Practice pre-acceptance. I love that. Because sometimes we have prejudgment. Amen? It's easy to walk in a world that everybody's judging one another. You don't want to pick up that spirit. So, look for the best. Isn't that what the word says? Look for the best. Practice pre-acceptance. And positive gossip. Number two, dream big and believe in yourself. Number three, choose positive influences. Show appreciation for those around you. When you have gratitude in your heart, you have something of virtue. And a thankful heart. A heart of gratitude is a happy heart. It's not seeking what it doesn't have. It's praising for what it does. Number four, speak with kindness. That doesn't cost anything. And then she goes on to say, be kind. 
Well, that's what the scripture tells us. Be kind. Be kind to others. Forgive yourself and forgive others. And learn from your mistakes. Don't beat yourself up. Learn from it and go on. Number five, start your own chain reaction. And you be the answer. Good words of wisdom, amen? And here's something that she also said. She had written this poem. It was one of the last things she did in one of the classes. And the poem was just, I mean, anointed. And it was about Jesus, Jesus Christ. And she told the story of why she believed in him, why she decided to follow him. See, she went from just being a Christian to one who follows, a disciple. Amen? And she said on this, Jesus gave his life for me, and I will give my life for him. And those two boys, the ones that came into the school, were in that class. They also made a video. And when they played their video, it was a video of actually the act they were about to commit. And Rachel said, do we have to watch this to the teacher? And the teacher said no and pulled it out. And that was one of the things that angered them. And so um, the day that she was killed, she had been writing in her journal. There were so many prophetic things in this journal. I can't go into all that, but it was amazing. And she was drawing and she was intently drawing. She was in a, a math class that... Um, the math class was a really hard class. And her friend said afterwards, why wasn't she paying attention? She couldn't figure out why at the time she wasn't paying attention because she needed to get this. But she was intently drawing in her journal. And she drew like she always did. And she drew an eye. And from that eye, there were 13 teardrops. And the 13 teardrops fell down upon a rose. And as they hit the rose, they turned to blood. And then at the bottom of the rose, there was the flower of Columbine. And she showed it to her teacher. And the teacher was like, wow, Rachel, this is really amazing. And she said, thank you. She said, why 13? She said, I don't know. She says, all I know is that, she goes, you're going to do great things one day, Rachel. She goes, I believe that. I believe that, you know, that God is going to do great things through me and that millions of people will be touched, is what she said. Well, 13 people were killed that day. It's amazing, huh? She was so in tuned with, with God. When the two boys came with the guns and they were shooting Rachel and her friend as they were walking up, they were, the one boy said to her as he was shooting her, where's your God now, Rachel? And you probably have heard this part. The boy next to her didn't die. And so he recounted the story, but... The boy with the gun, after he shot her and he asked, where's your God now? He grabbed her by the hair and pulled her head up. And he said, as he pointed the gun to her head, do you still believe in God? And Rachel answered, you know that I do. And he shot her and he killed her. 
But really, he didn't kill her. Because she lives on. She lives on. Her friends survived to tell the story. The story that Rachel decided to follow Jesus. And because she did, her story has touched millions of people. At the end of the movie, her mom was putting up a, her friend that she had helped, that young man that was homeless. He had given her his grandfather's dog tags that he had worn always around his neck. And her mother found them in her possessions. And she was trying to hang them up, and she dropped them behind her dresser. And when she moved the dresser, she found behind the dresser Rachel's little hand. When she was a little girl, she drew her hand. Remember, she was fascinated with hands. And inside of it, it said, This is the hand of Rachel Joyce Scott, who one day will touch millions of people. It was so powerful, this life. This life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, you could be one of those ones that demonstrates acts of kindness. That speaks words to build up and help others. You know, the fruit of the spirit that we so need to walk in in this day and in this hour. When there's pressure from the spirit of this age, where we need patience with one another, long-suffering with one another, gentleness, kindness, goodness, believing the best and not the worst. Mm. This story inspired me. You know, I've decided to follow Jesus. Just like Rachel did. You know why? Because one day I received a revelation of who he is. One day I realized that Jesus Christ was the son of the living God. And that he loved me and gave his life for me. You remember that part of my testimony when a lady called me up on the phone. From I found it. Who this side of heaven doesn't know what that phone call, that act of kindness did for me. And she simply said, hi, have you found Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Well, yes, I have. Oh, that's wonderful. What church do you go to? Well, I don't go to church. And she began to weep and she began to cry. She wanted to send me some books and materials. And I was, I was not a mean person, but I wanted to get off the phone. I said, sure. And she sent them. They didn't come the next day or the next day, but on the third day, they came. And when I went into my house and opened my mail and sat on my couch, and I saw those books, the Holy Ghost fell on me. And I surrendered all that day. I was, a, I was a Christian. I grew up in the church. I was a little Baptist girl. I prayed every day. But I hadn't, res, I hadn't surrendered my life to Jesus. 
And that day I did. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for that act of kindness from that lady who took her time to call people on the phone who I'm sure was rejected again and again and again. But she didn't quit. Amen? She got me. God had my phone number. He knew how to call me up. He's got your phone number. He's got your kids' phone number. He's got your loved ones' phone numbers. He knows how to call them up. Glory to God. That's good news. Amen. Whew. You know, we see those words, he is the Christ, the son of the living God. We see those words in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 17. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he said to his disciples, who do men say that I am? The son of man? So they said unto him, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. But then he asked them a separate question. Not who does everybody else say that I am. He asked them who do you say that I am. So I ask you. Who do you say that he is? He is the Christ. The son of the living God. I love that. Simon Peter answered that. And Jesus said this about that answer. He said, blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah, for flesh and blood. Man has not revealed this to you. But my father who is in heaven. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. A disciple means what? A follower of Christ. It's one who embraces and spreads the teaching of another. Peter was a follower of Christ. I love in Ephesians, you know, Peter was rough on the edges. All of us have rough edges, amen? We need the sandpaper of the Holy Ghost to smooth us out. But in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 15 to 17, it says this. May he grant you out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self, in your inner being, in your inner man, indwelling your most innermost being and what personality. God wants to indwell your personality. And he wants to strengthen the areas that are weak in it. He wants to use your personality. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And may you have Uh, Having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love. Amen. Amen. That love springs up on the inside. It's shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. It's his love in you, 
for another. It's his compassion. What was Jesus moved with? Compassion. Mercy. Tender mercy. Bowels of mercy. And the Holy Spirit will quicken that on the inside of you. And if you allow it to arise, it's a place of worship where you abandon your own feelings about something or someone. And you allow the Spirit of God to shed abroad in your heart, his heart for another. How he sees another. Working with kids and youth, I love the ones that are lots of trouble. And I love the ones that are shy and withdrawn. Because I love to see what God can do. You know the ones. The ones that say, you take that one. I'll take that one. Amen. Oh, it's so awesome. Because in that shedding of love, there's shedding of wisdom. And God will give you the key that unlocks the door to their heart. And those ones that are the hardest, years later, they'll call you up. Because what? You did something with your hands. You touched them. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Isn't that what we're here to do? Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, there was another man. His name was Saul. And Saul was a man who was highly educated. He was educated in, the, in, in uh, Sicilia, in the schools by the best rabbis in Jewish culture. I mean, the best of the best. But... It wasn't until he was on a road, a road called Damascus, that he had an encounter with Jesus, wherein he received a revelation of who Jesus is. He was lost until he was found. Have you ever been somewhere and you were lost? I know I don't like to drive in the city. I don't drive in the city because I don't understand the streets in the city. It can be intimidating. And sometimes you just need to look at a map, amen, to get a vantage point. Do you know that life can be complicated like the city? (laughs) There's hills and there's valleys and there's streets that are one way and... You can't figure it out. So you need a different vantage point. You need to see from a different place. You need to be seated from somewhere else. And that place, that vantage point is the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand upon the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Amen. That's God's book. And it's like no other. It's a living book. It's alive. It has God's word in it. And God's word is God. And it says of the scripture that it's quick. It's sharp. It's bright. Amen. It's active. It's alive. It divides between the soul and the spirit. It's the only thing that does. Glory to God. 
It's a book that's a guidebook. And you use it to regulate your life. Amen? Amen. You know, you have a, a thermostat in the back and often here, huh, PT? It's too hot or it's too cold. Uh, it's rarely just right for just everybody because everybody has different body temperatures. But PT will look back and he'll say, hey, guys, go regulate that temperature. Turn it up or turn it down. And that's what we have to do in life. We have to regulate our life according to Scripture. And that's why it's so important for you to spend time in the Word. It's not enough just to come to a Sunday service. It's not enough just to come to a Wednesday night. You have to have... Jesus said this. He said, man is not to live by bread alone. But by what? Every Every word. word. Every word. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And we need those words. You need to eat every day, don't you? You need to eat physical things, bread. Well, you need to eat spiritual food every day in order to walk in that place where you're regulating your life according to the scriptures, where you're walking in a supernatural place, where you're walking in a place where you're, you know, it's adventures in God. We have such a personal relationship with him where he talks to you and you talk to him. You commune with him and he tells you about the mysteries. He shows you things to come. He teaches you, leads you, guides you, comforts you. The Holy Spirit wants to do that for you and he wants to do it for you every day. But the Bible cannot be, it's a book that can't be understood with your head. It's not like reading a history book, even though it has history in it. And you have to understand who the Bible is speaking to. It speaks to three different groups of people. The Jews, the nations, and the church. So in order not to be confused, you've got to go up to the top of the page and see who it's talking to. So you know. And then... You need to pray and ask God to reveal to you. You know that day on my couch as I prayed? I prayed, Lord, okay, if this is your word and it's really everything that you say, that I should be able to believe everything about it or it's no good, I might as well throw it in the trash. So I don't want to know what anybody else has to say. I don't want Catholics, Pentecostals, Baptists, Presbyterian, Methodists. I don't want to know what anybody else has. I want to know what you have to say and he gave me such a hunger in my heart and he opened up the scriptures and the words would leap off the page into my heart and there was such understanding of the scriptures that was granted to me pray that prayer in Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 Where it talks about, you know, the eyes of your understanding that God would grant to you. Can we just put that up real quick? Ephesians 1, 18. We're just about ready to close, but it says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart. Do you know you have eyes in your heart? You have eyes in your head. But you have eyes in your heart, in your spirit, man. And it says, I pray that those eyes of your heart may be enlightened or flooded with light or another way of saying it is flooded with understanding 
in order that you may know, you may know something. What do you need to know? The hope of your calling to that which he's called you to. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, verse 19. Which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him as his right hand in heavenly realms. 21. We skip 19. Far above. We got to be far above. All rule and authority and power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in what? That is to come. Woo, glory to God. There's something coming called eternity. I'm excited about that. How about you? The word of God is really what God uses to mold us, to change us from the inside out. It is seed. It is incorruptible seed and it's full of power. It is eternal because God is eternal. God and his word are one. Amen. He said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The enemy wants to distract you to keep you from looking at the word. He wants to keep you from receiving revelation that will help you to be a follower of Christ. So here's what I say. Don't take the bait. Amen. Don't allow yourself to be distracted. But set your eyes like flint. Set your heart. And say, I will not be distracted. And then exercise discipline. And the more you do it, the more you find it's a habit. And the more it's a habit, the more you'll begin to love it. And the more you love it, the more you'll do it. And it becomes a cycle that produces life in and through you. Amen. Amen. Psalms 46, as we close in the message Bible says, step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, who is above politics and above everything else. That was a word that God gave to us at the beginning uh, or at the end of last year, I think it was. And it's something that just stays with me. And when things get too hectic, when they start pulling on me, when they feel too heavy, when they feel too heavy, I know I'm doing it in my own strength. When it gets too chaotic, I've got to stop. And I'm still practicing this. See, it hasn't left me. And I step out of that traffic. And I take a long, loving look at my most high God. And I say, oh, you're above all that stuff on the TV. You're above politics. You're above everything else. And I'm going to look at you. And when I look at him, you know what I find? Peace and joy. Amen. And when I have peace and joy, guess what I can give out? To my family, to my friends, to those around me. I can give out peace and joy. I can walk with purpose and look for opportunities to show acts of kindness, love, and compassion. Amen. 
Glory to God. Thank you, Father. He said, when you did it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. So, Father, we thank you tonight for this word. And we let it settle down in our hearts. And I ask you, Lord, to cause it to provoke us. To go out and do good. To be, to be um, a disperser of goodness and kindness and glory. Thank you, Father, for helping us to be the man with the pitcher of water in our hand. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to surrender. For we have decided to follow you. We have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. If you're here tonight and you have not made a decision to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, that's the first step to opening this door to walk in this place with Jesus. Anyone here tonight, you'd like to receive him as your Lord and Savior. If you just simply raise your hand, I want to pray with you. It will be the best decision of your life because it will change your life. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just pray for just a moment. Father, uh, Pastor Tom, could you just play on the piano? The I have decided. I'm not sure what the Holy Ghost wants to do right now, but I just want to wait on him just for a moment. I just don't want to be too fast. I don't want to walk too quickly. I want to make sure we're clear. Thank you, Father. Just let him deal with your heart.